uh, about manna. It is a miraculous food uh, that the Lord provided for the Israelites in the desert. It originally appeared in the form of thin flakes, like frost on the ground, the Bible says. We're going to read about that in a little bit. Uh, it's compared elsewhere with coriander seed and bedelium and resin. Its taste is said to be like that of honey or of fresh oil. And uh, color and taste and those things are kind of subjective. Uh, but the word comes from the Hebrew word man, and they just extended it to manna, and that means what? And it comes from the question asked in Exodus 16, and you'll see it in a little bit. When the bread falls on the ground, the people say, what is it? And that's where they got the name manna, from what? Um, so just a note for the men in the church, especially those that are newlyweds or those that plan on getting married and staying married, uh, don't call your wife's food manna when she brings it in. You know, I know you're going to look at it sometimes and say, what is it? But uh, it's not manna, trust me. There's been attempts to link manna that we're going to read about. There's been attempts to link it with substances discovered by modern travelers in Sinai and Arabia. In the early summer, June and July, they say that the tamarisk tree in these regions exudes a sweet-tasting liquid uh, produced as the result of the activity of a tiny insect. So the insect comes onto these trees, and the liquid falls to the ground where it forms small grains, which then disappear when the sun gets hot. Sounds a lot like manna. Um, another one has been made to an edible uh, lichen, which in parts of Southwest Asia is used instead of a grain in years of famine. And it says whatever the natural causes that manna that they have had, that manna may have had, we shouldn't rule out God's miraculous provision. In fact, in the scriptures, you'll find that God provided this manna, and later on, he takes it away. And so I think it was more than just a natural occurring thing. This is a miraculous bread. This is something that provided for them, and nutritiously, it gave them all that they needed to survive. Uh, it was just an amazing thing. So we're going to talk about that manna. In the New Testament, Jesus refers to himself as being the manna. Uh, he says, I'm the, I'm the manna. I'm the bread that comes down from the Father. I'm greater than that of Moses. And we'll look to that in just a little bit. Here's the main thing I want you to see about manna. Manna served the purpose of teaching Israel complete dependence on the Lord of the covenant. So it had a purpose beyond just feeding man. It was to teach man to completely depend upon God. How many of you think that we could learn a lesson from that? That if there was something, some way that you and I could learn to completely depend upon God, that would be a miraculous thing. Because the truth is, we depend upon a lot of things, don't we? We trust in the stock market, we trust in our insurance accounts, we trust in people, we trust in jobs, we trust in all sorts of things. We need to trust God more than any of those things. More than any of those things. So it is sent to test man also, he tests them. It's sent to keep man humble, and so this manna had a great thing. It's said in this one passage that a gold pot of manna was preserved in the sanctuary in Exodus 16 in remembrance of the food in the desert journey. So they kept a golden pot of manna there. Uh, and so it's just an amazing thing. Let's look at the passage, Exodus 16, verses 1 through 21. It says, They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. Brother McAllister used to call Farmersville Sin City. And I, I kind of wondered if there was a reference here to that because they go to this place, this valley called the Valley of Sin. Um, we, we often refer to Las Vegas as Sin City, don't we? And uh, 
I'll tell you what, the first summer we were back here, when the temperatures got over 105, I thought this place was sin, personally. So they're in this place. In verse 2, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, "Would, would, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And there's some things there I just can't help but point out. One is they complain to Moses and Aaron. It's always the, the preacher that gets the brunt of things. When things don't go right, what do they do? They find Moses and they track him down and they complain to him. Although Moses is going to set them straight here in a little bit. But two, they complain about where they are, even though they have just been delivered from bondage. Even though they've just been delivered from a life of of prison, from a life of hard labor, from a life of of just terrifying circumstances, here they find themselves out remembering the meat pots and the bread and the food that they had back in those days. And it's very easy for us to forget just how great God is and how much He has delivered us from. And we sometimes find ourselves thinking back about the quote-unquote good old days. And you and I need to understand that the good old days probably weren't as good as we remember them. They probably weren't as good as we remember them. That God came along and he delivered us from some of those good old days and he gave us something far better than those things. And so they complain because they're here, they're hungry, and now they're remembering the way things used to be. I just want to give a point here and that is that notice the importance that we place on our needs. That all of a sudden, when our needs aren't being met the way we think they should be met, complaining starts. And I don't think we've changed much from the children of Israel, have we? As long as all of our needs are met, we're pretty happy. Um, Men, we are especially this way probably, and our wives probably notice it in in us more than anything else. But men, it's real easy to keep us happy, isn't it? There's only a few things in life that keep men happy. And if any of those things are missing, how many of the women have noticed your men start grumbling and complaining? You know, if the food's not there and if the clothes aren't, there's just certain things that men do. And so they begin to complain when their needs aren't being met. And make note of this, the way that they thought they should be met. Because God is going to take care of them. And so we place sometimes too much importance on our needs. Haven't we learned to trust God yet? Haven't we learned to believe that God can provide for us whether we're in Egypt or whether we're in the wilderness? Whether we're working or whether we're not. God takes care of us. In verse 4 he goes on and says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And so the grumbling and complaining begins, and God says, I'm about to rain down bread from heaven for them. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to take care of them. And he says, and they're to go out and they're to gather a portion every day so that they can be tested whether they'll walk in my law or not. So God says, I'm going to provide, but I'm going to put some rules on this. I'm going to provide, but I'm going to do it on a daily basis so that I can test them whether they'll obey or not. How many of us have ever grown a little uncomfortable worrying about tomorrow or next month or next year. You know, sometimes we, uh, we get in this faith mode, and man, we're just trusting God every day. And then there's other times when we start freaking out because we realize, well, what about next week? What about beyond that? I think when I was 20, I had much more faith than I do now that I'm almost 48. 
At 20, I thought, retirement? Who needs to worry about retirement? I'm just going to serve the Lord. And now that I'm 40, I keep thinking, man, what am I going to do when I can't work no more? How am I going to provide? How am I going to eat? And how am I going to live? And, and we start to worry about these things. But God says, day by day, you go out and you gather this. This will be a test to whether you trust me or not. Don't get ahead of yourselves. And how we handle our faith and how we handle our needs reveals our faith and obedience. What do we do when we have needs in our life? And by the way, our needs are more than just bread, aren't they? What do we do when we've got a need or, or, or something going on in our life? And how do we trust God? And how do, we, how do we depend on Him? Do we go out of our way and try to handle these things on our own? Or do we just keep trusting the Lord and keep obeying Him and keep serving Him? In verse 5, he says, On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. And then he says this, for what are we that you grumble against us? So Moses points out, he says, you've been grumbling to us. He says, but the reality is you're grumbling against God. And that's important for us to realize. How many of us have ever found ourselves in a grumbly state? Where nothing is right. Life stinks. It's all bad. It's all terrible. And, and we've, we're mad at everybody around us because it's always their fault, isn't it? Moses points out something important there, that when we find ourselves always complaining, the reality is we may indeed be complaining to God and about God more than we are anyone else. Because it's God that meets our needs. It's God that supplies us. And so be careful when we find ourselves always complaining. Our grumbling, he says, can really be against the Lord. In verse 9, then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. In the morning, dew lay around the camp, and when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. It's that manna. And I love that passage, and I love the fact that not only did God provide them with the bread that would have sustained them, but God went over and above that, and he made sure they had quail, that they had meat to eat. And God does that in our lives. He gives us what we need, and and the reality is many times he gives us much more than we need. The truth is that uh, there's, there's probably not a soul in this room that has not been blessed by God more than what they really need. That we're not paupers, we're not beggars, that we've been blessed beyond measure and we don't even realize it. That it's beyond, amen, the the potatoes and the beans on the table that many of us will go home and we're going to have some beef or some pork or some chicken or or whatever it may be that God has blessed us. That we're going to go home to more than just a a roof over our heads. We're going to go home to some pretty nice houses in reality. Very few of us are going to go out and have to get on the back of a mule and ride home from church today. Although John would love that. That would be heaven to him. But very few of us are going to have to ride a mule or a donkey or a horse home. We're going to get in a car and we're going to turn up the air conditioner. The other day, Jared and Alyssa were out doing something and and they were talking about cars and someone mentioned a car and they said, but the car has no air conditioning. 
And Jared kind of looked and he says, who would have a car with no air conditioning? And Alyssa looked at him and said, I have no air conditioning. My grandma and grandpa have no air conditioning. And my dad's Jeep has no air conditioning. Where are you from? But we're blessed, aren't we? We've just got so much. God goes beyond just the minimums. He truly blesses us. Our needs are met by the Lord even when we don't understand how they're being met. And I love that, that, that they go out and, and the, the quail are falling down and then the time comes and the dew in the morning dries up and man is laying around and they look at this man and they say, what, what, what is that? And Moses says, that's the bread that the Lord provided. And the reality is God meets our needs sometimes and we don't even know how he's doing it that he provides us with the very things that, that we need in this life, and we don't get it. We don't see it. We, we attribute it maybe to consequ- or, uh, a coincidence. Sometimes we think that we've met our own needs. Sometimes we think that someone else has met our needs. But the reality is God is meeting our needs. In the bulletin today, there's a mention of canned foods, and we're, it's getting that time of year, fall time, where we're going to start putting together some baskets of food, and Thanksgiving and Christmas, we always go out and, and supply and help families during those tough times, and you know what? I don't ever want those families to think that we met their needs at Thanksgiving. I want them to know that God met their needs. And I don't want to ever get to the point where I, I go home and I tell Kathy, I, I met the needs of this family. I want Kathy and the girls to know God met our needs. He supplied them. We, we get confused about where our needs are met. They're met by God. And sometimes we're confused about how He meets them. And by that, I mean that there are times maybe when things are going on in our lives that we don't understand, but God says, you don't understand this, but you need this right now. You need this. Maybe it's a person that God has brought into our lives and we're saying, well, how did I get entangled with this person? And God's saying, because you need them right now. Or maybe there's a, a job that you've gotten. You say, man, how did I get stuck with this job? God says, because you need it right now. Not the money. There, there might even be something about the job that you need. And maybe it's a trial we're going through. A difficult time. And we say, God, why am I going through this? And God says, because there's something in this that you need right now. Your faith needs to be built or, or whatever it is, the trusting on him. In verse 16, he goes on, he says, This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. Now catch what happens. They gathered some more and some less. In verse 18, But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. I mean, you catch that picture? He says, gather what you need. And so some of them go out and and they gather up a little bit, but not a lot. And others go out and and they're probably like me, you know, their eyes are bigger than your stomach. And man, they start gathering, man, we need this bread. And they're gathering it in and they go back. And when they measure it all out, the ones who had gathered just a little had plenty. The ones who had gathered a lot still had plenty. It was the perfect amount that each needed. And the lesson from that is that God supplies us with just enough. We can go out and, and we can think we can gather all the, all the things this world has to offer, but God supplies us with what we need. And we may think, well, I, I don't have very much. But if we trust that God is providing, then we have enough. It's what we needed. 
Listen to Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. I have a habit of reading through the Proverbs every month. I pick whatever day of the month it is and read that chapter. And, and this verse is always pops out to me. He says in chapter 30 of Proverbs, verse 8 and 9, he says, remove far from me falsehood and lying. And this is what I want you to see. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. That's the prayer of the wise preacher. He says, don't don't let me be so poor that I go out and steal and dishonor you. But don't let me be so rich that I forget that I need you, God. Give me just enough. And that's what he says about this man. And you go out and you gather what you need for the day. In verse 19, and Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. That tended to be a pattern. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat, but when the sun grew hot, it melted. And so we learn about this special manna, and these lessons that we learn from it. But in the New Testament, Jesus describes himself as being the manna that comes from God. Listen to what he says. He is better than Moses, in fact. In John chapter 6, he says, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And what you see here is God is transitioning this story from being about literal bread from heaven, about this miraculous manna that met their needs in the wilderness, and now he transitions and he says, I am the bread that's going to satisfy your needs. And the lesson for us is this, is that there's more to life than just the food that we put on our table. That you could live a a life and you could have all the nutrition you need. You could have all the calorie intake that you need, all the vitamins and minerals. You could have a well-balanced meal today after church and every day of the week. And you could still be missing something very important in your life. You could starve to death spiritually if you don't get a hold of Jesus. And I think we live in a country that has been so blessed by God that we have so much physically but we live in a country that is starving to death spiritually. They're so worried about the roofs over their head and the cars that they drive and the food that they eat and the clothes that they wear and the money in their accounts. They're so worried about all these physical things and they're missing Christ. And he says, I'm the manna that comes from God. I'm the one that will truly satisfy you. If you eat of me, you'll never hunger. If you take of me, you'll never thirst. In another passage in the New Testament, Jesus teaches us to pray that God would give us our daily bread. You remember the model prayers the Lord prayed? Matthew 6 says this, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will not be heard for their many words. Do, you not, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Did you catch verse 11? Give us this day our daily bread. So Christ comes along and he, he tells us, I'm the bread. I'm the manna. I am what you need to survive. And then he teaches us to pray in this model prayer. And in the middle of this prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. And it is true that, amen, we depend upon God every day of our lives to meet our physical needs, don't we? That there's nothing wrong with saying, God, you know, give us the food that we need to sustain our family. There's nothing wrong with us. In fact, we probably need to do a whole lot more of, of John D's favorite prayer requests is pray for rain. That's some of our daily bread. That's a necessity that we have. There's nothing wrong with these things. But don't you think that Christ meant something a little more than just praying for bread when he said this? Give us this day our daily bread. One author said this, obviously Jesus was not telling his disciples to pray only for bread. Bread was a staple in the diet of the Jews and had been for many years And he says, furthermore, bread was a powerful symbol of God's provision for his people in the Old Testament. So he's saying that it it was more than just bread. It was what the bread stood for. It was for God's provision. And so when we say that prayer and we model that prayer and we say, give us this day our daily bread, that could be anything that I need in this life. It might mean I need love, God, and you know that I need love. And there's nothing wrong with saying, God, give me the love that I need in my life. It could be I need patience, and and we could say, God, you know that I need patience. This is something that I need, or I need purpose, God. And, And there's nothing wrong with us praying, saying, God, give us what I need in this life. In our Western culture, we use the term bread also, don't we? And it doesn't always mean just bread. In fact, in our view of marriage, the way we speak of marriage, usually we speak of one person in the home being the what? The breadwinner. Generally, in our society, it has tended to be the male, but that's not so much the case anymore. It could be the female also. But the breadwinner, that's the one that goes out and they make the living so that they can supply the needs of the family. And so we call them the breadwinner. Even in our uh, slang, we use the term bread for money, don't we? Not so much anymore, but for a while, that was the the big slang, wasn't it? How much bread is that going to cost you? How much dough do you have in your pocket? Right? And we use that term. And, and what it is, is it's, it's my needs. It's, it's what I'm going to use to supply my needs. And Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. God, you give me what I need to survive in this world. Whatever it is. And God knows what we need. And he is more than able to meet those needs. This morning, as we come in here, I, I can't... I stand in the back sometimes and I just watch people. I'm a people watcher by nature. And sometimes it's fun to watch and sometimes it's sad to watch, but I just love watching people. But many times I'll stand back there and and I'll watch folks come in and I'll watch them sit down. And and honestly, some of you, I know some of the things going on in your lives and and I pray. And I just pray. And I, I take it as a great privilege to stand before you every week and a great responsibility. During the week as I study and I say, God, give me words to say. Because there's going to be people that walk in here that are facing all kinds of struggles, all kinds of trials. And I don't ever want you to walk in here and me not having poured my heart and my soul out to God saying, God, give me what they need. That is a huge responsibility. Every one of you have different needs. And some of you have needs that that I don't know about. 
But the reality is we all have needs, don't we? Some of you need physical healing. Some of you need emotional healing. Some of you need stability in your families. Some of you maybe need financial provisions right now. Some of you need uh, a deeper faith and you need to trust God more. Some of you are you're on the edge of do, do I believe or do I not believe? Do I trust God or do I not trust God? And, and you're just on the edge of am I going to give it my all or am I, gonna, am I even going to be here a year from now? We all have different needs. And it's impossible for me to meet those needs. But it's not impossible for God to meet those needs. He's the one that meets our needs. He's the one that supplies for us. And so as we walk in here, God knows what we need. No one else may, but God knows exactly what you need this morning. Whether it's a a fix in your faith, or whether it's your salvation, God knows what you need, and He is more than able to meet that need. Scripture says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And He says, Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. In that passage, Jesus tells us to quit worrying about all these things. He says, God knows what you need physically. But he also went on to say that life's about more than what you eat, drink, and wear, and where you live. That there's more to life than those things. And that we have needs beyond these physical needs. And God knows what they are. Paul said this in Philippians, and I love this passage. He said, my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That there are some needs that maybe we can meet for one another, but there are other needs that only God can meet. And He supplies those needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What is it that you need today? What is it that you desperately need beyond the normal everyday needs of this life. What's the need of your heart? Christ wants to meet that need. He said, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. I ran across an article, and I want to just share a portion of it, a small portion. The article said this, after the Korean War ended, South Korea was left with a large number of children who had been orphaned by the war. He said, we've seen the same thing in Vietnam, In that conflict, we've seen it in Bosnia and in other places. And if we look around the world today, I'm sure you and I know that there will be many orphans in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Syria, and all over this world. In the case of Korea, relief agencies came in to deal with all the problems that arose in connection with having so many orphan children. One of the people involved in this relief effort told about a problem they encountered with the children who were in the orphanages. Even though the children had three meals a day provided for them, they were restless and anxious at night and had difficulty sleeping. Can you relate to that? As they talked to the children, they soon discovered that the children had great anxiety about whether they would have food the very next day. They're being provided for three meals a day, and yet these children go to bed at night worried, will I be able to eat tomorrow? To help resolve this problem, the relief workers in one particular orphanage decided that each night when the children were put to bed, 
the nurses there would place a single piece of bread in each child's hand. The bread wasn't intended to be eaten. It was simply intended to be held by the children as they went to sleep. It was a security blanket for them, reminding them that there would be provision for their daily needs. Sure enough, the bread calmed the children's anxieties and helped them begin to sleep. The author says, likewise, we should take comfort in knowing that our physical needs are met, that we have food or bread for our needs. And I thought about that, and I I thought, how many of us have spent sleepless nights worrying? God, how am I going to do this? God, how how am I going to take care of my family? God, how how am I going to piece things back together now that they've fallen apart? God, where am I going to find work next week? God, what am I going to do if I get sick or if my children get sick? And we worry about all these things, and we're much like these orphanages. The problem is we're not orphans, are we? We serve a heavenly Father that meets our needs, and He does it every single day. And yet we still go to bed at night, and we still stress, and we still worry about tomorrow. My suggestion is this. Maybe we need to go to bed at night with just that simple prayer. Give us this day a daily bread. God, you can meet my needs. Whatever they are, I know you can take care of me. Let's stand. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Father, for the stories, the history that you've recorded for us in your word. Lord, you provided for the children of Israel in the wilderness. Out in the middle of nowhere, as they were hungry, you provided for them. You provided quail that fell from the sky and And Lord, you provided this manna, this miracle bread that appeared from seemingly nowhere. And Lord, you taught them to go every day. And faithfully, you provided them. Lord, we know that there's more to that. As we come to the New Testament, your son Jesus told us that he is the manna. He is the bread of life. He is the way that our needs are ultimately met and that we are satisfied. Lord, some of us walked in here today with some tremendous needs in our life. Some are known by others, and maybe some are kept to themselves. But God, you know our needs, and you're able to meet them. Lord, I pray that right now that we would fall on our knees before you, and that we would simply say, give us this day our daily bread. God, we trust you to meet our needs to provide for us. Lord, if there are those here that do not know you as their Savior, the greatest need that they have in their life is a Savior. Lord, I pray today would be the day they accept you. Lord, for those of us who have trusted you with our very lives, God, but at the same time, sometimes we go to bed at night feeling like orphans, worrying about tomorrow. God, forgive us. Give us faith to trust you.